0: Intuitive soul blossoms into spirit-soul union, where you begin to have experiences of oneness with the entire universe or the Tao that can be spoken, and ultimately, you go beyond that to non-dual experiences where you don't even know who you are. You just experience yourself as unadulterated awareness.
1: Hey, what's up, podcast? Welcome to the show. My name is Danny Cola, and I'm excited to bring to you my next guest on the podcast. Today, it is the great and powerful Paul Check. He is a holistic lifestyle coach, wellness practitioner, movement specialist, therapist, mentor, teacher, philosopher. I've been following the work of Paul Check now for three years, and he's very much impacted the way I think about health and fitness and mindset and uh, growth development uh, healing being creative connection to source I did my best to pack in an hour's worth of Paul check content and information and I think it went very well I know it went very well so enjoy the podcast because it was a fun conversation for me to have smoking a joint with Paul check and having a conversation about the cosmos, consciousness, and soul evolution, man oh man. Enjoy the show people. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Steel Mace 101 Workshops. If you're interested in learning how to approach the Steel Mace safely, effectively, so that you can intertwine it in your default workout programs and regimens, come check out the next workshop which is December 21st, 2019 from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Forza Training in Oaklawn, Illinois. Check the show notes for further details so that you can come join the Steel Mace 101 community. Enjoy the podcast. How's it going, Paul? Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I'm great. How are you?
1: Awesome. So well. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy guy and pulled in a lot of different directions. Uh, I just want to thank you so much. I'm extremely humbled to, to even just interact with you, man. I really appreciate your time.
0: My pleasure. i do my best to help as many people as I can.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, with that being said, we can just jump right into this. Um, you know, I have uh, a series of notes and and, and uh, questions that I prepared. Uh, you know, to have a to prepare for a podcast with Paul Check for an hour. It's like, all right, what's the best type of uh, uh, direction to go here? So, to kind of give my listeners an idea of what you're about, and I've been following your work now for about three years. Um, talk to me a little bit about um how your childhood was uh and the relationship with your parents and and how those types of situations triggered the stuff that you're doing today as a a wellness practitioner and movement specialist and just helping people
0: sure my childhood was intensely painful um let's see how to encapsulate this so we don't get stuck on one item for (laughs) an hour but uh you know, my my mother had me when she was just turned sixteen. Um, by the time she was eighteen, uh, she had three kids. Mm. My my father was a, a professional drag racer and a competitive dancer, and he took off regularly with his dance partners and other women, and ultimately just didn't support my mother. My mother had to work two eight hour a day waitressing jobs back to back to pay for a babysitter to care for us so she could survive. Mm. Her father disowned her, um, called her a a prostitute and a tramp and whatever for getting pregnant. Uh, Cheers, by the way.
1: Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Nice. What what is that by the way? It's uh, uh
0: some, some clean tobacco in a mix, uh, called, a mix of herbs called Medicine Moon that has rose petals and mint and awesome. various other herbs in it.
1: In that case, you don't mind if I smoke a joint, spark a joint with you? Because this is like epic spark for me. It.
0: Spark it up, baby. Um,
1: anyway, you were continuing about like your life. And basically where I wanted to go with Paul is, you know, the reason why I asked that is because uh, this is how our programming starts. You know, and we go through trauma and, and that basically dictates how we behave and the way we think and all that. So somebody going through a traumatic, uh, early on, you know, from zero to 14, zero to seven, how, like, where was that moment where you started to ask deeper questions and start to try to figure out, this is not how life should be lived in this pain. Uh, where, like, where was that shift and, and how did that, how did that come about?
0: Well, uh, I'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) That was just the beginning, and I understand all the nature of the question for sure. <laughs> yeah um, so then my mother ended up surviving on her own and eventually met a man that she married uh, who was a special effects man at Universal Studios, a, a professional rodeo writer, and a very, very intense, hard guy to be with. Uh, he's German, and it's he, he ran the family like a, like a prison camp. Mm. And um, we moved long story. We moved to Vancouver Island. My parents started a sheep farm and had a woolen mill and we raised a lot of animals and produce and sold produce and sold sheep and sold all sorts of stuff, firewood. So the, the experience was one of constant pressure high expectation, zero latitude for making mistakes or not getting a job done, a lot of physical violence, visits to hospitals, um, broken bones, um, real trauma, uh, serious trauma and shock and fear and frustration. And it pushed me very deep into myself and, and it caused me to begin having what would be classified as mystical experiences but my first mystical experience was when I was about 12. One of the things we had to do on our farm is that the fields had a lot of rocks which can destroy plows and farming equipment rakes and things like that so whenever we weren't busy working with animals or building fences or doing all the things you do on a farm which is a lot we were sentenced to the field. Mm. And so Vancouver Island can be very cold and rainy and windy and nasty weather, you know, and I'm I'm a California kid. So when my parents moved to Vancouver Island, like, what the hell are we doing here? This is gnarly. (laughs) But I was out in the field one day and I was really suffering from what I would if I used clinical descriptors would be depression and chronic anxiety because, you know, For example, I'd be sitting at the breakfast table or dinner table, any meal, and if any of us held our fork wrong or didn't have perfect manners, my father would reach across the table and just slap you in the face so hard it might knock you right out of the chair. And if if it happened again, you left the table and didn't get to eat. And so, you know, imagine being a child eating in that environment, how perfect of an environment that is to set up leaky gut syndrome, which is what happened. Mm. to all of us. And um, so I'm out in the field and I'm just feeling completely and utterly frustrated. And and my upbringing with my mother, she was a Christian scientist. So I used to sit in Sunday schools and churches hearing all about God, God, this and God, that. And I found it very irritating and confusing because the message was so contradictory. God loves you, but God will burn you in hell and, and this kind of stuff. So even as an eight year old, I was Worried about adults being so gullible because things that seemed obvious to me, like this message doesn't make me feel safe or whole at all, left me in this sort of chaotic, confused state. Like, why would God create us and then destroy us? It doesn't make any sense and it's not very godly. Mm. So I reached this point of complete and utter frustration. Um, some would say, it would, uh, from a clinical perspective, I was verging on a nervous breakdown, and I was out in that field, and it was cold and raining like hell. And I was covered in mud, and my little twelve-year-old voice inside knew I wasn't here in the world to do this, and I couldn't figure out why was I being punished so badly, why was I living in this friggin' prison camp, why didn't I get to play and do a lot of the things my friends did and have the kind of toys and joys that my friends did you know i'd go to my friends house and it would be like they were living in a completely different world than mm-hmm. me so i got very emotional and i just looked up at the sky and started screaming and cussing at god saying why in the hell what have i done this isn't fair i don't even want to be alive anymore oh you know and all of a sudden <laughs> to this day it shocks me thinking about it a voice spoke to me and it was a deep, loving, masculine voice at, at this point. And it said, your life has purpose and meaning. Be patient. And it scared the hell out of me because I was standing in the middle of about a 10-acre field all by myself. And it sounded like... It was coming from every direction and inside of me all at once. And I literally was freaked out. I'm, I was looking all over like, where did that come from? Wow. But it was so powerful of an experience. One, I didn't tell anybody about it because I knew for sure my parents would think I was losing my mind. But it... It was so powerful that whenever things got stressful, I just kept remembering that voice and I I knew something had happened because that by no means was my voice and I certainly wouldn't have come up with that answer. And so I left home at 16. I worked hard. I became a father when I had just turned 18 and I found myself again working on a drilling crew, doing exploration and water well drilling and feeling the same thing. Here I am drilling holes in the earth, covered in mud, working my ass off. I've got a. there's more to me than this. And we were on our way back from a drilling expedition crossing from an one, another island to Vancouver Island. And all the guys went into the ferry to have a coffee and chill out for a while. And I just had this deep feeling I had to stay in the truck and, and meditate and have a chat with God. And by then, I'd, my mother started in the Self-Realization Fellowship with Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings right around the time I was 12. So I had spent time with monks, and I'd learned to meditate. So I had developed some skills for going in.
1: So even though there was a, you know, a, quite a bit of trauma, there was still outlets where you could kind of sector off and like find some meaning and develop that as you went on.
0: Yeah. When my mother joined the self-realization fellowship for a while, my father was going and I noticed immediately within a couple of weeks, the violence dropped down a lot. Mm. My father was calmer. My mother and father weren't fighting so much. And it was though a miracle had happened in the family. Now, over time, my father stopped practicing and, and continued his violent ways. Um, and even when he was less violent, he was still dangerous. But so I'm coming across on this ferry and I'm having the same conversation again. I'm like, God, you know, I'm, here I am again. I'm covered in dirt. I'm working for a, a few dollars to make ends meet, but I, I, I am completely at my wit's end. I, I know something inside me kept telling me, You're here to do something much more significant than this. And all of a sudden, the voice was there again. And the voice said, you will become a massage therapist. You will have the freedom to work with people. I'm paraphrasing because, you know, this has happened when I was like 18 or 19. You'll have the freedom to work with the kind of people you like to be with and you will be successful. And to me, that was a radical thing because I had no understanding of massage therapy at all. I had no connection to it other than my grandmother massaging me when I had asthma and taking the massage away. And so it was very profound and it left me meditating. Well, lo and behold, I ended up in the military becoming the trainer of the Army boxing team, started the first massage therapy program for the fighters, studied massage therapy, and ultimately sports massage therapy coupled with strength and conditioning, postural work, diet and lifestyle work, which is exactly what I was doing for the Army boxing team, led me to leaving the Army, going to the Sports Massage Therapy Institute, becoming a holistic health practitioner, starting a very successful business, working with many, many, many of the greatest athletes in the world, becoming very successful, which ultimately led to the development of the Czech Institute. And while that, between the age of 12 and 19, right around the time that I had that experience of this voice coming to me in the field, I began having really profound out-of-body experiences my parents used to force us to go to bed at 7 30 every night on Vancouver Island it can, it can stay light till 11 or 11:30 at night um, due due to the the sun so I felt like I was caged and in prison and so one night I was just laying in my bed wishing I was somewhere else just like how can I get out of here and thinking you know maybe if I climb out the window and you know, there was really nowhere to go because we lived way out in the country, but I could maybe walk through the woods to the drive-in movie theater that was like a mile away or whatever. But I was just frustrated and all of a sudden I, f- I found myself floating up on the ceiling looking down at myself in my body and it shocked the hell out of me. And I think I was just starting to fall asleep. And when I First, I was looking in awe, going, oh, my God, I'm out of my body. And then I got scared. And the instant I got scared, I came back into my body. And it was very wild because as what what I would now know as my light body or spirit body reentered my physical body, my whole body shocked like it had been hit by electricity. So I sensed there was some kind of a real entry. My body was laying there kind of in a hypnotic state. And and I sat there and I was just baffled by this and I thought, Well if I could do it once, maybe I can do it again.
1: That's wild, man. <laughs> like like to have as like a, a young person with less, you know, not a ton of experience to have like something so profound. Like when you talk about a voice and these ideas and like these inclinations, I automatically like go to like, uh, uh, times where I've been on MDMA and I felt very like connected to something that was telling me the same exact things that you're telling me in a way, Yeah. you know, but you're telling me like, this is happening naturally. And like, something tells me that, the, you know, my engagement with MDMA every so often is useful because it, I, I feel connected like what you're talking about, but you're talking about this natural way of feeling uh, yeah. and, and, and hearing and feeling these things. I'm sure it's just much more than words. You know? It's like this grandiose Whoa. feel.
0: It is, and I at first was worried maybe I was going crazy again, because the God experience, I call it the God experience in the field, and yeah. and uh, the, the one in the, the truck on the ferry hadn't happened yet. But it was, it was uh, you know, now I'm having this event, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, what's going on? <laughs> but then I thought, well, you know what? If I could do it once, I could do it again. So I thought, well, where could I go if I wanted to go somewhere right now? And the first thought was my tree fort. I had a a beautiful big tree fort my brother and I had built about two stories up in a huge Douglas fir tree. And I thought, well, what if I just focus on being in the tree fort? And so I I really just thought, okay, I'm going to put my whole intention on being in the tree fort. I'm going to relax and I'm going to just see myself there. And after about five minutes of just focusing on being in the tree fort, all of a sudden I found myself sitting in the tree fort. Hmm. And I could see the hammer that I'd left there, the saw that I'd left there. It was as though I was really sitting there. And so I thought, well, this is amazing. So I began practicing every night when I went to bed and I made a habit of going around the farm and looking for objects that I could identify. And then getting up in the morning and running out there to check to see if I'd actually seen what was really there. And every time it was exactly what I saw. So I developed this awareness that the physical body is not really the truth of who we are. It's only an aspect of ourselves, but there's something much more deep and profound going on. And later in my life, I learned that was called remote viewing. Mm. And I found that I actually had the ability to remote view. And in the year 2000 or 2001, I went to the field conference in London, England, and two of my instructors happened to go with me. And there was a one-day course in remote viewing given by the CIA's director of remote viewing, which is why I went, because I wanted to check out my skills and see was I really a remote viewer or what was I doing?
1: Can I ask a question real fast? Yeah. Um, do things like remote viewing, clairvoyance and telepathy, can that come with more inward work and develop or? Absolutely. Or, but like we you, all like, have
0: those abilities. We're just programmed out of them by religion. Right.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I heard that podcast and, with and uh, scientific
0: materialism.
1: Yeah, the podcast you did with James Claris, the, the last one about the God, religion, myths. Oh, James gaming. Hollis. James Hollis, right, right. Yeah. yeah, that was phenomenal. But I can sense, you know, your feeling there. Uh, but anyways, like, yeah, that was one of my original questions is it could be developed or become available the more inward work and balance and harmony that we do through meditation and spine work and and all that type of, uh, you know, inward work, basically
0: yes and so to finish the story um it was a one-day course by the director of remote viewing for the cia which is very real there's pump piles of books written on that yeah and um what would happen is they would give you the technique and then they had a big pen board up on stage and there was 750 people in this class it was huge mm. it was in a giant auditorium mm. and They would say, okay, in envelope number one, there's a photograph of a specific location and objects and things that are in the photograph. Now use the technique and draw what you see inside that envelope. So I would draw the pictures, then we would do the next one and the next one. So we went through the four, and my two instructors, after each exercise, they would unveil the photograph, which was an eight by 10 photo that they would project onto a screen and the two instructors that were with me would see my diagrams, which were almost identical to what was in those envelopes. And they were going, how in the fuck are you doing that? (laughs) That's wild. You know, they'd worked with me for years and they had no idea I had these abilities because it wasn't really what I was supposed to be teaching them at the time. So then they had a contest at the end. And so he, the final, the grand finale of the whole one day workshop was the instructor said, To win the prize, you have to tell me what happened on July, I think it was July 20-something at 2 p.m. in the afternoon in my life, and he gave the exact time and date. So I used the technique that I had developed through my own practice. My approach was slightly different than the approach they were giving, but it worked for me, so I didn't want to alter it. And then... After a given period of time, they said, okay, who can tell me what happened? I knew intuitively I was going to win the contest. I could feel it. And, you know, mountains of hands went up. But I, as soon as he said that, I jumped up and raised my arm. Hmm. And he said, you, the guy that looks like a soldier in the back. (laughs) I said, at that time and on that date, I had a vision of you inside of a large glass building that looked like a hospital. I was looking through the window at you. You had all sorts of wires and instruments attached and the doctors and nurses were moving in a hurry like there was some kind of an emergency. Oh, wow. And it was very, very intense. And he had a look of shock on his face and I knew instantly. So then I had to sit there for like an hour while people said, oh, you were flying with dragons in caves and all sorts of crazy, silly shit. And finally he just got bored of hearing the stories. He said you, the soldier guy, you're the winner. On that date, at that time, I had a massive heart attack. I was rushed to the hospital and had to go into heart surgery. Listen, um, every one of us is born with natural voyances. Some are more tuned to their inner listening process. So where one may look at you and see things in your energy field or Another may have intuitive knowing or another may have extrasensory perception of what other people are thinking. Another one may have, uh, clairsentience. They feel things without touching them or mm. they, 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 feel that a plane might crash or that, uh, something bad or something good is going to happen, but they don't like know immediate, how immediate things type stuff. Could be anything. Could be mm. future. Could be immediate. Um, but each of us has a natural voyance. But because these things are downplayed as foo-foo, as as basically they're downplayed as a psychological pathology. Right, right. And hallucinations or imaginations. Right. So most children that have these abilities are quickly talked out of them. Uh, many children see auras and see the colors and know when parents or people are lying because they can see and feel the shifts in them but they're conditioned out of that and 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 conditioned to believe that those are malfunctions not functions right so when i work with my students and i introduce them to tai chi and and meditation techniques and inner work i tell them that you know if you just relax and pay attention When you're in the most relaxed states, such as when you're doing your Tai Chi or Qigong or meditation, to just empty yourself and see what's coming to you. Mm. Normally, there are things you're too busy in your head to pay attention to. But for example, I would be doing Tai Chi, and I would have this vision of somebody coming to me with, say, serious low back pain. And within the vision, I would see like a movie and I could see, for example, how the person hurt their back and all the doctors and therapists that kept doing the things that weren't getting them better. And I would go to my office and say to my assistant, I have a feeling we're going to get a new patient that has the following things. And, And my assistant would walk to me two or three hours later and say, you're not going to believe it. I got a call from this guy and it's exactly what you said. And then I'd look at his case history when he when he filled out his paperwork, and it would be bang on exactly what I already knew. Amazing. And, I, and as I got deeper and deeper into my Tai Chi practice, and you know, I went to Master Fong Ha to learn from a true master. And so the deeper I went, the stronger my clairvoyance got, the stronger my clairsentience, clairaudience, all the buoyances started becoming stronger. In fact, it, it got to the point where it was so intense by about a year of daily tai chi for an hour in the morning typically first thing in the morning sometimes some in the afternoon too but it got to the point where i couldn't stand being in public places because i would be walking through an airport and i could see and feel all the trauma and all the pain and all the sadness in everybody and i was always just so wounded to see how how much pain was in children and how much Of the parental follies and abuses were really leaving them feeling just like I did as a child but I I felt incapacitated and I I ended up saying to myself how in the world do I help all these people they're all in pain they're all confused they're all distraught what am I supposed to do with all this I said to my soul please only show me what you want me to see because i'm supposed to interact with that person oh
1: i love that so much i can't tell yeah. you how much i relate to what you just said there because i'm i i'm a 31 year old practitioner that's doing this type of work myself and i you know i do a lot of daily work and instead of tai chi i'm, I'm doing the mace and kettlebell and i'm doing these types of practices regularly and um, I, I feel those same types of things when I walk into places too and part of the reason why I'm so stoked to talk to you is because you say stuff like that and yeah. i can, I can totally relate as a younger practitioner and like that's a lot of energy that you got to
0: take on Paul
1: you know it is
0: and, and empathic people suffer this um, you know empathic people are feelers and they're very sensitive to subtle energies and they're often people that are also very sensitive to environmental energy, such as toxins in buildings. So there are people that are very easily end up with things like irritable bowel syndromes, leaky gut syndrome, um, environmental illness, sensitivity to smells, to perfumes, to to the smell of gasoline, um, to negative energy from other people, to, to walking into buildings where there's a lot of dark energy, such as a lot of churches or bars, Um, yeah, it's
1: bars for sure.
0: Yeah. So in fact, one of my hobbies used to be, as I traveled all over the world teaching, anytime I saw a church, I would go put my hands on the wall and empty myself and, and read the vibrations coming off of it. And I was always amazed at the range of very dark energy and confused energy and, and guilt and shame to, uh, joy and harmony and i would i would hear them singing i could hear the hymns being sung they were literally in in the materials because the vibration is conditioning the atoms so it's like a memory of everything going on in there so it made i made it my hobby because i had such painful childhood experiences in christianity i wondered what was going on in these churches yeah but you know the point that i'm driving at is that once my soul started limiting that um, then I knew if I saw something that I would walk up to the person and I would start a conversation and I would say things, uh, for example, here's a, a, an example that's quite profound. I was in England one time and, uh, was between workshops and my distributor, uh, my English distributor picked me up from the gym. And on the way home, she had to stop and get her uh, some new tires for her car. And I was just sitting in the waiting room while they were repairing the car uh, reading a book and all of a sudden I had this profound experience and I begin to see a child who was very sick and had severe food allergies and I could see the mother and the father feeding it and talking to it and it saying, you know, I can't eat that it makes me feel sick blah blah blah. See snot running out of its nose, puffiness in the eyes. Mm. And uh, I could see that the and the kid had bad asthma that was very clear in in the in the vision and so I said to my soul who is this person and my soul said the man you're seeing his father owns this tire shop and his child is very sick and they're taking keep taking him to medical doctors and he's getting much worse because they're not actually they don't understand what's going on and he's on drugs and inhalers for his asthma but they're treating the wrong end of the donkey so since my soul showed me that i knew i was supposed to do something so i stood up walked to the counter and i said is the man that owns this tire store here and they said no he's out right now i said does he have a sick child a child with asthma that's not feeling well and the guy behind the counter looked at me like what in the hell is going on and he said well why did you ask that question i said well i can't really explain that to you i said let's just put it this way sometimes i have visions and intuitions about what's going on with people and i have some advice that will support him his wife and the child i said so i i wrote it down i, I wrote down what to take out of his diet and how to basically do an exclusion diet i said please give this to him as a gift but the guy was like looked at me like he was seeing a ghost He was. You know almost shaking it was so It was white because he couldn't believe what he was hearing now i don't know whatever happened with that but that's how i made my agreement with spirit or my soul to handle these things so that i wasn't constantly in a state of shock awe pain yeah. and sadness yeah. because the yeah. world looks when you can see that much of god you can realize how much pain God is in metaphorically. Mm. God's willing to experience everything to know itself from the most beautiful to the most ugly and evil because without the dark stuff, God can never know the truth of itself and consciousness cannot be produced without duality. You can't have consciousness without positives and negatives or nothing has any meaning. You can't have up without down, inside without outside, etc., agency agency yeah there's no there's no flow to for, to to make time be a, an experience you have to have movement which can only happen in polarity so i learned that i learned to have a lot of empathy and compassion for god paradoxically yes and 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 knowing that god is the source of all things there is nothing here but god so
1: Big, big time words there. And I've heard you say this message multiple times, and it really has forced me to keep doing this inward work. Two things I want to take away from the soul evolution piece and then uh, understanding this information from people. First thing, how do you make these observations without evaluation? Like, how do you talk to them about this stuff without coming off as too strong? You know what I'm saying? Obviously well, you are you're a world renowned practitioner but over time I'm sure you had to develop that skill
0: as you've gotten older and and better at what you do. What my soul taught me which I teach all my students is a simple rule: ask, never tell. Ask. Okay. So I'm curious, do, do does the owner of this tire store have a sick child? Mm. Versus the owner of this tire store has a sick child and he needs uh, holistic help, and I can help him. The first one, ask, allows them to engage at their own level and their own comfort. Telling often creates a, a, a knee-jerk defensive reaction. If you walk yeah. up to somebody and say, uh, "You know, you're really quite an insecure person, and that's why you keep burning yourself in the out in the gym and trying to win all these contests because you're really trying to compensate for the lack of mother and fathers." appreciation and you're actually going to destroy yourself trying to get love from other people when you come to the day where you get injured and you can no longer win and then you're going to go into a crisis of self if you say something like that to someone their very defense mechanisms will will just bite you back tell you totally. to fuck, fuck off you're an idiot you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yes. but if you say something like i'm curious how's your relationship with your mother and father Well, one, it might seem like an odd question, but usually you'll get an answer. Well, quite frankly, they're very controlling. And I have a hard time because they want me to go to school to be a lawyer. And I really want to study music, but they are dead sure I can't make a living doing that. So then I start discussing things and take it one step at a time. But I just use Uh questions and let them answer the question and I lead them with questions so there's no pressure on them to say any more or any less than they want to so when we're doing so things beautiful. like chakra assessments energy field assessments um whenever the practitioner has a strong sense that they know what's the etiology or the cause i or like i'm an art therapist so i do a lot of art evaluation where i'll give people with various illnesses diseases and mental emotional problems a specific art assignment such as do a mandala which is an art piece of art inside right, of a right. circle I'll say if someone comes to me with heart disease one of their first assignments might be to do a piece of art titled my heart and so then I will analyze the the art using my skills as an art therapist and connecting to their soul and asking for guidance but when I then unveil my report of findings to them I don't say you're having heart conditions because I simply say you see this image you wrote you it, you see this little picture inside your art here and they often say no I say turn it upside down and look at it now oh my god there it is I'll say symbolot based on symbology whenever you see that it suggests that you should look into this part of a person's life so could you tell me about what's going on with dot 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 and they will tell me Mm. instantly but if i say that means you're probably going to die in the next five years well the fear the overwhelm uh and the more successful and famous i am the more scary it is because they believe it Mm. so the 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 key thing is that The ego will defend itself even against the information it needs most if it's presented in a way that makes the ego feel inferior to you or invaded or anything else. But when you simply ask questions and leave the door open for them and ask the least invasive questions to warm up to the most important ones, I've never had a single patient, no matter how trapped in their head or their belief system, that I couldn't get to the core issue.
1: That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And yet it's the most simple thing. Is it not? It's just. I'm a simple guy. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing to me. Now, as far as like soul evolution, right? There are stages to this shit. Mm -hmm. And you have to identify each of the processes. And I've heard you many times talk about the Steiner soul uh, of evolution levels. Yeah. um, Like, how do you go about the protocol of your soul evolution? Is there a process that you take?
0: Well, it's a, not, it's a it's a it's a twenty four seven process, and 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 I teach my students first how to connect with their soul. Which for the public, you can access that information in my online course titled Primal Pattern Eating.
1: We'll link to that in the show notes, definitely Primal Pattern Eating.
0: Yes, and that's extracted right out of Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level Two. But I saw so many people that are lost and confused, um, and have no sense of what soul is, and therefore what God is. That I wanted to teach people how to access their soul through something very meaningful and practical, so having worked with my soul very extensively, I found that one of the most important ways you can develop an ongoing relationship and have a reason to practice at least three times a day is to learn how to let your soul guide your food choices and your drink choices.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: So in the program, I teach three levels of how to engage your body. One is through diet logging and looking at symptoms and what all that means. The second one is using muscle testing because your body will never lie to you. And so you can use your muscle testing response to get a yes or a no. And the third level, which not everybody can do, is soul connection. But I take people through exactly how to gain contact with their soul. But the key thing is is that I tell my students, your biggest mistake is you're going to wait till your life's in some kind of a crisis. And then you're going to try to ask your soul for an answer. But until you've learned to trust your soul and learn to disengage your ego, which is basically made of other people's ideas, very little of what people think of themselves as is of their own creation.
1: Right. The programming.
0: Yeah. I tell people all the time. I say, look, if I can download every thought and idea in your head that you think is yours into a supercomputer, And we could filter out how many of those ideas that you believe consciously or unconsciously and think of as your own thoughts were actually your own creation versus programmed into you through childhood, education, and exposure to other people and television and all the media streams. What percentage do you think of those thoughts and ideas and beliefs would actually be of your own creation? Most people guess anywhere between two and five percent. I say 2% is probably more likely unless you're a highly creative person. Most people aren't that creative, unfortunately. So I said, (laughs) there you go. Who you think you are is really about 95% somebody else. Most of the people that drive you crazy, like your parents and other people, teachers. And you're now listening to those ideas in your head and practicing that consciously or unconsciously. And it's led you to a health crisis. And you keep going to the same sources of information that got you in trouble in the first place. So I say, if you want to learn to work with your soul, go into your closet in the morning and say, dear soul, which pants should I wear today? Which t-shirt should I wear today? Which socks should I wear? Because the ego is not threatened typically by uh, where you sit at the table, what hand you hold your fork in, what shoes you wear. Go to the gym and instead of following something written on a piece of paper, say to your soul, dear soul, take my eyes to the exercise apparatus you would like me to use today and all of a sudden you'll find yourself being pulled to a cable machine or a squat rack Yes. oh would you like me to do cable pushes yes now I'm clairvoyant so I say just show me what you want me to do and I see a vision of myself doing it so after a a couple of years usually A person actually learns that when they let their soul guide their life, their body looks and feels better, their life is better, their relationships are better, and they're creating and doing things that they come to the realization they could never have done if their ego was in charge. Then when you get to challenging situations, you have the confidence and the wisdom to shut off your mind and be ready to hear what the soul has to say but it requires what I call spiritual courage because oftentimes the soul will tell you things that the ego is very, very afraid of. For mm-hmm. example, it'll tell you, you need to get off a of coffee, you're addicted and it's screwing your body up and your mind and your sex drive. But the ego does not want to hear that because it's addicted. So until a person actually gets enough confidence in their soul with the little things, to come to realize that that voice inside of them is ultimately the voice of god only god can give a soul all souls are expressions of the divine soul soul simply means consciousness within but you can't have consciousness without the consciousness that's behind the entire creation so the source of consciousness consciousness spelt with all capital letters is god but what we're experiencing side of ourselves is what we're conscious of. I'm conscious that I'm talking to you right now. I'm conscious that I have a glass desk and I got a a tea mug and a smoke bag in my hand.
1: Conscious that I'm going to smoke this weed with Paul check right here. I thought I'm going to. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But the thing that I'm point I'm making is that God is the carrier of the energy and information that flows as frequency and all things created from thoughts to stones are, Frequency, they are energy and information taking form. Everything around us is spirit moving slowly enough that we can interact with it. Yeah. So, so what happens is, is that you, you, when you realize what consciousness is, then you realize that you can't be conscious without a soul. And the soul is the receptive field in which thought and emotion experiences itself. Spirit is the flow of energy and information. Where there's a soul, there's spirit. The two are like two halves of a coin. You can't have soul without spirit. You can't have spirit without soul. It wouldn't mean anything. Right. So ultimately, the process is one in which you grow your confidence in the wholeness or the higher self. As another name for soul, the higher self. Right. The part of you that's already whole and complete and is ultimately the uh, attractive force pulling you forward into the fulfillment of yourself. Just like if you take an acorn, no matter how finely you look at it, no matter how powerful the microscope, you're never going to see an oak tree in there. But within every acorn, you could say is the soul of the oak tree or the idea of the oak tree drawing it into its potential fulfillment. And once it sprouts and germinates, it goes on its life experience and it is how God has the experience of treeness. But there's no tree hiding in the acorn, but what there is is DNA that taps into the morphic fields that carry the information of tree and the universe's idea of how to be a tree, and therefore the experience of the tree is encapsulated in the field which the seed accesses through its DNA, and DNA is a cosmic antenna system, and spirit is the flow of energy and information. So the soul is the seed and the experience of treeness and the spirit is that which enlivens tree and makes it tree.
1: <laughs> that is the fucking most mind-blowing thing ever, right? So a tree, though, it grows, boom, in its most pure form. There isn't any of that bullshit trying to pull it in any other direction to
0: not be a tree. It's going to fucking be a tree, right? No, but when you're a human being, you can end up caught in some dogmatic religious practice yes. or some ism. Yes. Or. Being in the military, believing you're fighting for peace, only to find out you're uh, a sort of, of a bunch of rich people trying to rip other people off. Yes. And, and things like that. So you, you, as a human being, your mind is so powerful. There's more neural connections in the brain than there are stars in the known universe. So you literally have the entire universe sitting between Ooh, your ears. in you. Exactly. In you. So the human being, because of its progressive development through nature and the inclusion of almost everything in nature in one spot, actually has access to everything from subatomic particles all the way to God within the range of its psychic perception. And so therefore, it's, you know, you know how people today get, they get caught channel surfing and they can't really learn or do anything and they watch YouTube and if it's not one minute long, they they can't stick with it, and they're bouncing right. all over. So people's because of the power of the receptivity of the human energy field and nervous system, until a person learns spiritual practices and disciplines for stabilizing their mind, they kind of live a life of schizophrenia. So mm. the paradox is the tree-ness metaphorically, the humanness is conflu- confused and convoluted by all these options. Which we're often convinced are the way we should be by so-called science priests, pastors, right, religion, uh, white coats, teachers, most of whom are having a, a, a very uncomfortable existence themselves and should not be telling us how to live because they're not even happy or healthy.
1: Amen. So, at that being said, beautiful. It, it, it like it like flows perfectly into this next question. How can then spine health, zone mobilization as talked about in your book, how to eat, eat, move, and be healthy, emotional recall uh, intertwine with interpreting reality and manifesting reality then?
0: Well, like I said, the human body, all living beings, from plants to trees to microorganisms, anything from a single-celled organism, um, anything with DNA is a is a cosmic antenna system Mm -hmm. and the structure of that organism or that material body is the uh, parameters on the antenna system now without going into the science of how an antenna works in other words what I'm saying is what a caterpillar taps into to experience its caterpillarness or its sense of being itself is very very different than what a, a coyote or a bear, or a hawk, or a dolphin, or a whale, or a human being taps into. Yet, paradoxically, the human being has almost all the genes of all the other creatures inside of its DNA. We are like a recapitulation. We're like a catalog of all the things that came before us. And the name given to those genes by scientists is junk DNA, which that's I crack
1: fucking up. wild. Yeah. I
0: laugh. I say, you know, that's, <laughs> The, the What they call junk DNA are actually the frequencies of everything in nature that you ultimately need to have access to to inform yourself to make it through the natural shifts in the environment that come due to cosmic influences, right. see, which we call seasons or tornadoes or famines or whatever. So we've got the wiring that taps us into the memory banks of all the living creatures that have solved these problems, whether it be the bird growing a longer beak to get to the seeds, or the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, uh, turtle webbing its feet, or the, whatever, the duck webbing its feet so it can swim better. Um, so the, you know, the point that I'm driving at is the human being has a vertical spine. Yes. Animals with a horizontal spine don't have nearly the frequency reception if you think you know you're pretty young but when i was a kid first of all uh, i was around when faxes were first invented (laughs) i I was around when the first cell phones came out so when i was a kid you mostly entertained yourself by listening to a radio and we only had a a a television my parents wouldn't let us watch television the year i left home we got this black and white tv but it would only receive three channels because we're out in the middle of nowhere. You constantly had to fiddle around with the aerial to get the signal. And when the weather changed, you'd have to keep moving the aerial. Oftentimes with radios, before they had tuned circuits, you had to play with the aerial all the time. Well, yoga is the science of adjusting the postures of the body. And the changes of the dimensions of the body changes the frequencies that you can access because the frequencies are the wavelength determines the, the the shape of the body determines the shape of the antenna, which determines which frequencies it can catch. And lo and behold, if you study yoga or Chinese medicine, if you've got heart disease, they've got postures for that. Why? Because it puts you into the frequency of the heart chakra, right. and it taps you into the energy and information that flows through that channel. Just like if you press a given button on your radio, it will go to that channel. And if you press another one, it goes to that channel. And this is why. Yogis and spiritual masters tell you certain kinds of meditation are better done sitting, some better done standing, some better done lying down, some better done with movement, and this is why they say if you have this problem, be in this posture; if you have this problem, be in that posture, because the the the, the real masters were were clairvoyant and clairsentient and clairaudient, and they spent years in caves, and they could actually see these frequencies as well as feel them. That's how they identified the meridian systems, the acupuncture systems. I mean, just to show you, years ago, they found a man frozen in ice somewhere, I think, in Norway, if I remember right. But they dated his body at between 5,600 and 6,500 years old. But what shocked the piss out of the researchers when they thawed this guy and looked at him is he had ink tattooed on his body on key points, which turned out to be the exact points for the stomach meridian in Chinese acupuncture, and when they opened his body up and dissected him to see what was in his stomach, he had a parasite infection, and the guy had evidence that he had been treating his own acupuncture points, and that blew their minds because Chinese, the Chinese system of traditional Chinese medicine wasn't even invented yet according to common thought. Right. Yet here we have this almost 6,000-year-old man frozen in ice who's been giving himself acupuncture and even inked the spots so so he could find them.
1: Dude, that's fucking crazy, man. Like the stuff that we could actually come up with and learn about ourselves, right? We basically, through junk DNA, have a connection to that unified field, technically. That's
0: exactly what it is. And the human being... If you read the book Stalking the Wild Pendulum by Itzhak Bentoff, he's the guy that invented the pacemaker. And he was the first one to do scientific research to identify how meditation changed the brain and the human physiology, the heart, and everything else. He was an advanced meditator a remote viewer. He identified what the rings of Saturn were for NASA before they could ever see them with a telescope. Because one of his buddies worked for NASA, and he told them exactly what they were by remote viewing. And then the day they, the space, first space probe identified what it was, he was shocked, and he took pictures back and showed it to Zach Bentob and said, look at this, you were exactly right. So, you know, the, the real point is, is that we have a lot of abilities that only the people that practice and heal and, and remove all the programming from their mind that's not helpful to them. And calm their mind enough to learn to use their extrasensory faculties ever get and then when those people talk about things the consensus people the normal people (laughs) no matter and the more degrees they have the worse they usually are say that's just a bunch of bullshit so paradoxically we dumb down criticize and ignore the most evolved spiritual people in our culture and we give Great honor and value to the people that have programmed themselves to get degrees and fit into the norm and sound cool, who are actually misleading people. And therefore, we have microwave ovens, junk food, and drugs that don't work that are all validated by people with PhDs and master's degrees that are deified as the smart people that are actually the ones ruining the entire planet.
1: (laughs) Amen. Paul Check. I mean, like, try to pack in as much Paul Check in an hour as possible. And I think we're doing a pretty good job here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, dude. You. Yeah, I mean, you blew my mind. So. Um. That being said. Let's. We. We've obviously have this type of information, this cosmic knowledge that kind of comes through us. The more we. We pay attention to ourselves, and I, I, I just you, you reiterate all the stuff that I'm learning and I'm practicing every day, and like I just can't tell you how much I appreciate it because the things that you say, I kind of like look at and how I'm just kind of doing things in my life and, uh, creating my workout programs and, and, and treating my patients and my clients and my students and all that stuff. And like, you just really put a, you know, a giant exclamation point on what I'm doing. And I just, I can't thank you enough for your work and everything that you do.
0: Yeah, no problem. I mean, uh, look, Often my students are asking me for a spiritual practice or how do I grow or how do I deal with the challenges in my life? Um, You know, most people are heavily programmed. The more time you spend in an academic institution, usually the tougher it is to free yourself because you just got that much more layers of programming. Yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with academic training. I'm not saying there's even anything wrong with the world. Jung said all religious systems are designed to protect you from the direct experience of God. You could say all as a sort of a stereotype, almost all educational systems are designed to protect you from the direct experience of God. And and most people don't understand what he means, but what he's saying is, and I'm going to use my own words to explain Jung because he's very complex and deep. And if you don't have a background in in depth psychology, it would just sound like gobbledygook. But, (laughs) What he's saying is because god is unconditional love the only way to experience god is to become completely unconditional which by definition means you must lose all sense of self you must lose your ego the mathematical equipment of unconditional love is zero to the degree that you have a sense of self you're at least a one Zero can never let anything enter into it, or it will actually become conditional. And metaphorically speaking, the universe would cease to exist because the source, the projector, would now only encapsulate the one, the idea that is entered into it. To get into that is called nirvana, which means to blow out or to extinguish. That is the scariest, most radical because that means you are literally walking into a state of experience in which you will no longer know who you are, what you are, where you are, where you've been, what you will be. You have to be so truly committed to the experience of God to be utterly annihilated, like being thrown into a, creation, a cremation furnace. And because we can't have a sense of self without the ego all the religious systems and educational systems fill your head with ideas that ultimately over time teach you don't work very well so you get to the point in steiner's model which begins with the mineral soul then goes to the biological soul which is your body but he describes the ego as as in the human being as the intellectual soul right to grow to the next level you have to go to what he calls the awareness soul, which emerges when you been, begin to honestly question your own beliefs instead of just believing them yes. and acting out. And lo and behold, my students come to me all the time and go, I don't know who to believe. I looked up this article on irritable bowel syndrome and it says, don't do this, don't eat that. And I look this one, and it says, do eat this and do 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 that. I look into cold showers and half the experts say they're good, half the experts say they're bad. And it's this way and almost everything. I say, congratulations, you're an initiation process. The way you become an adult is learn to think for yourself, evaluate the material and then test it to find out what works best for you. And you'll often find out what works good for you is said by half the experts not to be effective. And what works good for half your patients is not what works good for you. And therefore you have to learn to take each piece of information as a specific opportunity that only works in the right environment and under the right circumstances and when you start questioning your own thoughts, honestly, you realize most of them are bullshit. Yeah. And so that <laughs> opens the door to what Steiner calls the creative soul. Yes. So now that you have your own sense of co-creative ability and author, authorship and license to explore and trust that you don't have to believe everything you read and you have a, a means within yourself of identifying what really works and what doesn't. You're growing the strength and the functional capacity of your own mind. Now you're actually using your own mind as a mind should be used. You're using it holistically. You're looking at both sides of an equation. And then what happens is you start to become creative because you can rise above the polarity of the opposition of the experts or the parents or the whoever's telling you what you should or shouldn't do. And then you can take ownership for your own creativity, your own experience, and instead of blaming it on mommy, daddy, or the church or the doctor, you say, "Ah, look what I created! I don't want to do that one again." Or, yes. "Wow, that worked great! Let's keep doing that." Yeah. And that opens the door to Steiner's uh, intuitive soul, where you come to the realization that the universe is you and has the answer to all your questions, and all you got to do is get still enough and have enough honesty and integrity to hear the answer whether you like the answer or not and finally the intuitive soul blossoms into spirit soul union where you begin to have experiences of oneness with the entire universe or the Tao that can be spoken and ultimately you go beyond that to non-dual experiences where you don't even know who you are you just experience yourself as unadulterated awareness
1: yeah now that being said that's amazing i'm so glad that you went through all the seven because i have them written down right in front of me and ba boom it happened awesome now when you have those divine spirits of oneness how can we relate that to psychedelics and and plant medicines and those types
0: of journeys uh well those take it from there those plant medicines can Bring you to those states, but first you have to work through your unconscious. That's why so many people struggle with plant medicines because plant medicines basically change the vibrational frequency of your body, which expands the the receptive range of right. energy and information that you can tap into. But the first thing you've got to do is work through the entanglement of your own programming, and that's why the plant medicines will do things like show you where you're not loving yourself or others effectively or right. where you're lying to yourself or where you carry traumas that you didn't realize you carried. So most people um, have to heal the ego before you can lose an ego. You have to build an ego before you can let go of it. And since most of the pains and problems that we have are results of living out our programming, which means we have no freedom, until you actually heal your programming you don't have freedom you're just kind of a robot acting out mommy daddy and society
1: right right right. automatically just yeah on this this loop this fucking the boom boom do the same shit over and over again and that's where fucking starts to break down and shit starts to happen for the negative right
0: and you see it over and over again coaching patients you say okay uh you know you've got a fungal infection you got to stop eating processed sugars and things like that you've got um, a gluten intolerance you really need to cut gluten out of your diet and then you find yourself 20 times in a row meeting with them and saying did you get the cookies out of your diet did mm-hmm. you get the bread out of your- no yeah, ju-
1: just to clarify i'm just a trainer so like when i, I okay. didn't mean to say patience before but it, no, it, that's it, a, this information I, is fucking
0: phenomenal and i want to be yeah, better about this and learn the, as much the, as possible the point is still coming so the point is is what do people almost always say? Why do you keep, when I say, why do you keep eating stuff, even though you clearly know it's messing you up and making your life worse? The most common answer is, I don't know. Yeah, That's the sign of a programmed individual. (laughs) How many times have we felt an argument coming and knew that it was going to cause us pain and said inside of ourselves, I shouldn't do this right now, but the next thing you know, you're walking away after a big fight, going, "Why did I do that? I knew right. I shouldn't have done that." That's programming. You're just acting out your mommy, your daddy, and your 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 favorite uh, idiots on television.
1: I love it when you say that. By the way, every time I listen to you on a podcast, and you're like my mommy or daddy, I fucking love it. By the way, I think it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's the truth. So, <laughs> you so ultimately um, to conclude my point. All these experiences actually create the same resistance for a mind that we create in a gym. You can't get stronger in a gym without meeting resistance. But we also have to get stronger with working with our emotions and other people's emotions. So that's emotional intelligence. Then we have all the programming basically creates a cocoon. And until you can break out of the cocoon on your own power, you don't have the strength. And the effectiveness of the use of your own mind to become a citizen of the universe. So you have to stay in the playground called Planet Earth. Right. So Planet Earth is really an elementary school for souls, and it's full of paradox, and it's full of misinformation, and it's full of false ideas and confusions that are designed to lead you into pain because pain is the great quickener of consciousness that awakens you to the fact I've either got to solve this problem myself. Or I'm gonna be stuck because all the doctors and therapists keep not getting me where I'm trying to go. And that's the soul saying, you must become your own doctor, your own therapist, your own mother, your own father, your own lover, or you're always going to be dependent on other people to do their thinking, to do your thinking, and you're never gonna grow what it takes to become a citizen of the universe and learn the power of your own creative abilities. So the the point I'm making is, as fucked up as the world is, it's actually a matrix that's designed to create dissonance, chaos, and pain, coupled with moments of freedom, joy, and happiness that inspire you to keep looking. But ultimately, you realize you cannot fix the world, just like if you thought that there was something wrong with your watch because the hands were moving, and you glued them down you would no longer have a watch you would just have a bunch of metal strapped to your arm and the world is designed to create enough pain for us that eventually we're pushed into ourselves then we have to do the work to heal ourselves and the more we heal the greater the reach of our mind and our perception and we ultimately come to the realization that oh my god we are the world we are the mind of God, and we are God experiencing itself. And you look back and realize you could never have known that unless you'd gone through these experiences. And that's exactly what the story of Adam and Eve is. They were with God in heaven, but they did not know they were in heaven, and they did not know they were with God. Why? Because when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the first thing they realize is they're naked. Well, they never realized they were naked before, why they were not conscious. Mm. So the story of Adam and Eve is actually a mythological fable that says you can't become conscious of you or what you really are, God, until you realize what you're not.
1: Man, oh man, that is, I mean one of like, this has been for me the best thing that's ever happened in my fucking professional life to talk to somebody like you and, uh, to like take in your energy, Paul, because, you know, I, I learned from you from afar and, you know, one of my colleagues is a HLC three and we work together on a lot of shit and we're putting together a workshop and, um, you know all this stuff that i do i listen to a lot of uh, aubrey and cal kingsbury and i know that you do a lot of work with them and i was just at the onnit academy and i'm just trying to immerse myself in this information that's going to better help me help people understand exactly what you were saying
0: well you and should then- just get into the check advanced training programs you're you'll you'll go the fast route well, yeah. i i spent 35 years studying and practicing so i can take a guy like you in Five years what took me 35 years
1: yeah exactly exactly and that's definitely on my fucking things to do i mean working with kristen uh uh her name is kristen stafford she's an hlc3 and just working with her regularly i i, f- I feel and see and understand all these types of things as well and I, the more we work together the more i understand and you know grow my consciousness as well and um yeah, it's, it's part of my bucket list to get going as my, my business and my journey continues to grow. So I, uh, you know, you I want to respect your time. It's, it's you over, a little over an hour. So
0: You can do HLC1 online 24 hours a day. It'll change your life and it'll give you enough tools to make enough extra money to pay your way through HLC2 and HLC2 will expand your toolbox radically. You can raise your rates, make more money, do a better job and get to HLC3 and whatever else you want to do i i've if you listen to my podcast with Michael Susie he's a guy that's in charge of health yes. and fitness education for thirty five thousand people and he did that with HLC one training and he tells about how he did it in the mm-hmm. podcast so what I'm here to say is anyone that applies my teachings even at the lowest level to their potential can climb the ladder to any position they want and make as much money as they want as long as they uh, put their heart and soul in it and give the level of service that they're charging for. Sky's the limit. You got almost 7 billion sick people. If you can't be successful coaching people to health today, you got deeper challenges.
1: Okay. Well, amen to that. Paul check uh, again, dude, do me a favor. Tell my listeners where they can find your podcast and where they could find your Instagram and access to you.
0: Um, the podcast is called living for d number four capital D with Paul Check. it's on almost all the podcast outlets, but you can go to the Czech Institute homepage, chekinstitute.com and there's a tab says podcast and you can scroll through and see them all there. Um, But you can search Living 4D with Paul Check" on almost any podcast system and find it. the one that's out right now just came out today will blow your mind it's probably the most potent podcast i've ever done with james karst the author of the religious case against belief and yeah i was was listening to it this morning good yeah and then uh the check institute website i just gave my youtube channel where i have you know well over 500 videos people can watch on a wide variety of topics is youtube.com forward slash paul chek live my blog is Blog. Um Instagram, I don't know what my thing is. I don't- Paul.check? Yeah, probably. I don't. I only, people point cameras at me. I talk for a few <laughs> minutes and walk away. I, I have to be very careful not to get caught in too much of the social media stuff or I'll never get anything done. I don't want, I, to, be, I don't I want to become a, a, a professional distraction.
1: Yeah, no, I um, definitely feel you, man. There, there's a there, there's a balance there, and you know, I hope this is a kind of like a, a start of a relationship. As I, you know, I look to you as a mentor, and as I'm passionate about mentorship and, you know, it giving a, a creative spark to other enthusiasts. I, I hope that we can connect again in the future and talk about other things that the world may need to hear. I really feel that this was extremely valuable to my, not only myself but the people that are going to hear this, man.
0: Well, I hope so, and. Um... As I tell my students, don't believe a word I say, go out and try it for yourself.
1: Beautiful, man. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And like I said, I, I hope to, uh, to engage with you again. You're the man.
0: Yeah, I... no problem. All right, thank dude.
1: You. That was the podcast, everybody. What an amazing time I got to have with Paul Chuck. This one was just a milestone for me. Legendary. It was uh A goal that I had put down on paper that I get to cross off my bucket list. So it was an amazing time to just interact with Paul and learn a little bit from him and connect with him. Uh, Definitely impacted me just to kind of have that one-on-one conversation. And I hope because you got to listen to this, it had a positive effect on you as well. Make sure if you like what you hear today to uh, do me a favor and write a review and put a five-star rating if you could. That would be great. And share the podcast with somebody that you love. This way, good information gets out there for people to kind of uh, grasp onto and hopefully inspire and motivate them to, you know, be the best version of themselves, tap into their highest potential. Let's connect on Instagram at Danny Cola Fitness. If you're interested in anything, Paul, check, Check check the show notes. And that's it, everybody. Hope all is well. Please reach out on Instagram. Like I said, peace. If you're interested in learning Steel Mace, check out Steel Mace 101 workshop, December 21st at Forza Training in Oak Lawn. The workshop is going to be at 10 a.m. Like I said, December 21st, Saturday at Forza in Oak Lawn. We're going over a three hour Steel Mace 101 basic foundational course, also with body weight. We're gonna learn a handful of techniques, switches to approach the mace safely and uh, learn how to use it in uh, symmetrical flow, free flow, and strength and conditioning. So if you're interested, check the show notes, and I would love to see you at the workshop.